Hey, what's up, everybody? My name is Fabian Chigoya. And this is Alejandro Chigoya. And this is Real Talk, a show all about the journey of self-improvement and discovering yourself and the harsh truths associated with that and finding success. So Alejandro, what do you think about this? We're finally doing it. I'm more than happy to be here with you, fam. I remember this was this incredible passion project that you were telling me about last year. And that conviction that you presented with uh, to me just really made your case. And I'm more than happy to be here with you now as a part of this. I am so glad you are here. It was one of the things that it surprised myself talking about it to you, sharing my passion, my desire to do this, to record a show where we have a brotherly talk where we just really are vulnerable and share our thoughts and our feelings and kind of talk about our past and our lessons. And as I was brainstorming it, it just really connected to me because I knew all the things that I had overcome and the amount of self-reflection, self-analysis that I had to do over the past few years and months that really got me to where I am right now, where I'm just really confident in in myself, I know who I am, and I'm happy. And I wanted to pass that along to everyone else, because I know that it's kind of crazy when you think about it. What are the few things that made you or brought you to where you are today? When I could pinpoint it to these things that I changed about myself, or that I figured out about myself, and then here we are, that's when I knew that I had to give that to other people. That's kind of where we are today. But here we are with our first episode of Real Talk. And it's something that most people in the world, I'd be curious to hear your thoughts about it. I feel like there's this aura of fakeness that envelops most people and most things today in the world. I mean, what do you think about that? Oh, I definitely agree. Truth be told, no one is necessarily the exact person they are with everyone. That's that's just the, the nature of one's relationship with different people. You present yourself in a different way with, with family, with friends, with coworkers. That might just, just be the, not necessarily just an image you're presenting to people, but just, just how you, you get associated with them, how you get along. But yes, I do certainly agree that moving past that point, then people oftentimes craft a certain image. They're, they're very image conscious. And yes, one's reputation, obviously, in society is uh, a, a crucial component of, of everything in their life. But I definitely agree that, that this, uh, this sense that, that you make this false image of what you expect people, what you think people expect you to be, as opposed to being true to yourself, is uh, doing oneself really a, a great disservice I know that at least with myself, for example, I, with people I've spoken to, they've often found that, that my candor and honesty, that I, I don't want to say maybe that I necessarily have my heart on my sleeve, but they find it a lot rather refreshing just how I engage with them, that I'm not like someone with a, a seemingly hidden agenda, it, or so it would seem to them anyway. <laughs> I can relate. I can relate. I, I mean, I, I think there's a lot to unpack there. 
honestly, I almost feel like, and that's the end of real talk because my brother just got to the point. It's, it's kind of sad, but it's kind of true to think that this world that we live in right now, we are so focused on the image and so focused on how we want to portray ourselves that there is this lack of authenticity. And because of that, there's this fear of being honest, of telling people what they need to hear. I can tell you that I have, quote unquote, ruined certain friendships or relationships with people over the fact that I just communicated a harsh truth, things that they needed to hear, but they were not prepared to hear. They were living in their own fantasy world. No one has ever told them what they were doing wrong or what they could improve. And it's not like you're attacking who they are as a person. You're just saying, hey, you should be aware of this. You should try this. So let's talk authenticity. It's the major driving factor behind why I started this show with you, Alejandro. Real talk. Moving to Colorado, I found very quickly that my idea of what it was was not true to reality. Coming from Washington, coming from having lived in so many different countries and traveling so much, the people that were here and the people that moved here either were the worst liars in the world or everyone moved here for the exact same reason, which was to hike, ski, and drink beers while petting their golden retriever while driving your Subaru. Like it was literally to a T you could get four of the those five correct out of every like eight out of 10 people were that. And that's a problem. You shouldn't be able to define people you've never met to that extent. Wouldn't you say? Oh, yes, I would certainly agree. As I, we were discussing earlier, this whole Im idea of, of having a, a crafted image and, and sort of conforming to that because as much, I mean, sure, one can talk about individual tastes, but like you said, it's a little dubious that everyone just so happens to like all the exact same things. And yes, a friend groups and whatnot will come together with their shared interests. But no, I think that you really address a, a serious issue that these people maybe want to cultivate a certain image to adopt a certain lifestyle that they think will be beneficial for them. Maybe not so much for themselves, but maybe for the role that they can assume then as a result in society. And uh, how should we put this? One should really be, try to be ideally true to oneself, that they are, one shouldn't necessarily discard their own individual tastes and interests just because they know, oh, that this is what's expected of me. Exactly. And that is really one of the biggest themes of this show is trying to get people to realize exactly what you just said, that don't conform into who you think you need to be. Rather, embrace who you really are and get to know yourself. And that's the key. Like, it's actually a lot more difficult than most people think. It's like, do you really know yourself? Do you really know what you like? Do you really know who you are and why you do the things you do? And those are one of the things that we're definitely going to touch on throughout our talks, throughout our weekly episodes of this. And that is going to reveal something that I think a lot of people here in Colorado need to listen to is just because you move here and you want to fit in doesn't mean you have to throw away who you really are. You can love those things. You can try those things. 
But is that the Fabian Chagoya from before? I am all for rebranding yourself and trying new things, but I'm a strong believer in at the end of the day, authenticity is the key. One of the big things is I didn't have the success and the mindset clarity and the happiness that I had and the authenticity that I have now, even just a few years ago. And this has been a long journey and work and effort. I want people to realize that you and I had very similar backgrounds. So the idea behind Real Talk was finding a format for us, the bros, to really not only talk about our issues, our past, our successes, and our goals, our improvement desires, but just being vulnerable. And I think it's a lot easier being vulnerable with someone that you know and that you've lived with for so long. Can you relate to that? Yes, yes, certainly can. When you have that closeness, you have this, this certain bond. And ours certainly, we'll probably get into detail in a little bit, but ours was a fire-forged bond there between a, a number of, of challenges we had to face in our lives together, as much in large part because of our dad's profession in the uh, Mexican uh, Foreign Service. It's one of those things that is kind of the goal of this was to have that honesty, to have that vulnerability, have that transparency, and have that with everyone. I think once you realize that you can actually share that with a lot of people and you're not going to get hurt, the worst thing you're going to get is some people might think you're a weirdo because they're like, they've never had anyone be real with them in the ever, not even their parents. Then they, they're just going to get scared. But at the end of the day, do you want to be friends with someone that's like that? No, there's this fake facade that someone could put up. Is, no, I don't want to make be friends with that sort of person because they'll probably be, uh, this this mask covering up this backstabbing person. Then you, you can maybe go into to someone saying, "Oh, I'm I'm this this person who says it how it is, so to speak." But no, one thing is is, is saying th things how it is, and then another is having manners. That's an important distinction we have to make. This this whole idea of this fake image of, of that someone's presenting here is not one that I I would want to associate. If I want to know someone, I want to know. Who they really are and that's something I, that, that really resonates strongly for me especially that the idea that i would feel comfortable letting people in and letting them, them know who, who i really am as a person because i know that many people who don't know me for example might think that i'm this closed off uh maybe cold reserved sort of person and then they they get to know me a little better and then they know oh you're not some how should we put it standoffish sort of person you're actually really warm and and, and caring and you really look out for, for the people that, that are important for you that you're really compassionate i can resonate 100 percent with what you're saying about how you don't want to connect with someone from the beginning on basically a lie on a fakeness on a false reality and two there's a lot more that is behind this wall than most people think and that's something that we are really going to touch upon you and me because i know because of our backgrounds we had some major walls like people think the great wall of china was thick they don't know our walls especially because i was this i am this sales guy this outspoken very 
strong social skills guy. But what most people realize very quickly is that there's maybe like five people that actually know me in my life. And I can make new friends like this. They don't know anything. I control exactly what they know. Most people know me maybe 10%. And that's kind of scary. That's kind of scary when you think about it. Like they think they know me. They make judgments based on what they think they know. And they don't. And that is when things get interesting. And that's kind of the root of real talk. Because like you said, there's so much more to you. There's so much more to me. There's so much more to every single person. But so many people are afraid to show that, afraid to be who they really are. One of the biggest things to becoming successful, becoming happier, and having just a lot easier life, more confidence, is just embracing those things that make you who you are. One of those things is just changing how you view yourself and view those quirks, your background. And that's something we're going to get into a lot and we're going to keep talking about every episode. But I really, before we get into like sharing a story and doing a deep dive, I just wanted to do a brief breakdown of our format of how we're going to talk about this week by week. So this was kind of our small talk segment where we chat about how things are going in our personal life, how things are going at current events, a brief recap of last week or how things are progressing. We're going to do a check-in to see how our improvement goals are going and so forth. But really, after that is when we're going to get into the meat and potatoes of things. The goal of Real Talk is becoming an expert on you. Really getting to know yourself, finding your passion, being vulnerable, and seeing which areas you can work on and which areas you should work on. And identifying those things, if there's issues, squashing them. And if they're not issues and they're strengths, you know, letting them blossom. That's really the goal. And we're going to be doing that by sharing vulnerable stories. But really, vulnerable is just being honest. These happen. They're not maybe the best stories to share about you and I or about other people. But they are the truth. We're going to analyze those stories. We're going to find a way of changing how we view them. Because that's something that most people don't do. Like the past makes us who we are, but we've never really paused to see, oh, wait, was it necessarily as bad as I thought it was? I mean, maybe I learned something from that. Once you start having that mindset and you can constantly do that, things start clicking. So we're going to be looking for the lesson, but really what we're going to always be tying it back to is the notion of the Challenger experience, which you will hear more about in our other podcasts and shows, but really is how to get to this point of success and improvement and just confidence and happiness. And it really comes down to identifying the issue, creating a goal, believing in yourself and whatever that is. Hashtag ABI, always be improving, no matter how small it is. And then challenging yourself and doing it. And if you follow that process, slowly, slowly, slowly over time, things are going to change and are going to improve. So that's really the goal. And then at the end, we're going to just debrief and talk about what we found out, how we feel. And if this works as it should, most people are going to see that just by naturally talking to people that listen to you, that are positive, you're going to start changing your mindset. You're going to start changing your beliefs. It's almost literally brainwashing. 
what you put in your ears and your head and how you hear yourself and think about yourself changes a lot. So the goal is that after weeks of doing this, we can look myself and you and our audience, look at ourselves and be like, wow, look at us 10 weeks ago, who we were back then and who we are now. Has there been progress? Because there should be. And even if it's just, you know, quantify it as much as you want, but I'm 5% happier, I feel so much less stressed, that's already a win. And that's the goal of this, really get people to that point, because right now the coronavirus pandemic has forced people into this, I need to change, I need to adapt, I need to fight this new beast, I need to completely live a different lifestyle. And for most people that are not you and me, that's the hardest thing possible to change how you live. So I think let's start at that point. I think that's a great entry point to kind of sharing a story of who we were and how we got to the point that we are so good at adapting. All right, my story. So let's start from the very beginning. I was born with my twin sister in Seattle, Washington, Swedish hospital. It's a very interesting story because to go into the background, I have to go always to this very beginning here. So my dad met my mom at my aunt and uncle's wedding in Mexico City. My aunt is German, as is my mother, of course. And my dad's best friend was getting married to her. He's Mexican. So my dad, Mexican, my mother, German, they met at the wedding. They were like, oh, you both uh, are learning English. Why don't you talk with each other? So that's how they met. And wouldn't you know it? They got married. They had kids. And my dad was working in the Mexican Foreign Service, and he was stationed in his first position in Seattle, Washington, where we were born. Can I pause you right there for a second? No, absolutely. Can I just say that that's such a cool thing that it goes to show you that you can never really predict where you meet someone that can completely change your life. Obviously, like my dad meeting my mom through whatever means obviously it was like through her sister and his friend or whatever it is right and our wedding or it could have been a party it could have been anything else but because of that that literally is the reason why we are here today when you go back that far and you like do the the domino pieces you're like oh that caused this and this caused that that's when you start realizing and take a moment to pause and like my past really defines me and like Little decisions change so much. So, I mean, I just wanted to point that out because that's such a cool thing that even I love. But continue. He's in Seattle, Washington. And is he now with my mom? Yes, he's with, with, with our mom in Seattle. We, uh, my twin sister and I were born premature two weeks. So we were in, a, in an incubator at that time. It was a little worrisome, especially I'm told that at the time, there was a lot of concern about uh, twin fatalities, especially in cases of premature babies. But fortunately, we survived and we are still alive and kicking today. <laughs> and so, and then a couple of years later, my brother Fabian was born. Uh, we had a nice uh, childhood there in Seattle. And, and then after a few years there, uh, the nature of, of my father's profession meant that he would have to relocate. Uh, basically, anyone in, in a, any diplomatic corps of any country has to have uh, occasional rotations of where they, they would be stationed. They are not, never specifically uh, set in one specific spot for too long because obviously they are meant to represent their, their country. 
from where they're from and in the country that is hosting them at that time. Then that entails different assignments every so often, as is required of them. Anyway, he then um, had to move to Miami, Florida, which only happened because my dad broke his leg playing soccer. And he was originally meant to go to Texas. That was altered as a result of the of that injury. So yes, we ended up going to Miami, Florida. Where we were there a few years, we were I had a good time there. So Miami, our dad only moved there because his leg broke playing soccer, which is again, once again insane. We were going to live in Texas in a border town and we would have been so different as people if we would have if I would have grown up as a little baby there, if you, especially because you were in some of your major formative years, tell me about Miami. Tell me about like how old were you and what really happened there? And do you feel like that kind of started changing who you were as a person? Yes, Miami. Let's see. Well, early on, we arrived, we would have been about four years old, uh, Diana and I. You would have been just a few months old when we first arrived in Miami. I know that sometime after we had arrived, we did experience Hurricane Andrew, which was, for those who aren't aware, was an, ex an incredibly destructive hurricane back in the early 90s. We were fortunate that we were not, didn't receive the brunt of, of the storm. It was the first hurricane my, my parents ever experienced. I know that my mom memorably uh, mentions how she was noticing the, the neighbors were reacting. She's like, you know, honey, maybe we should go to the store and get some things, don't you think? I'm like, yes. So that's so fortunately, yes, we were okay. And then from there, we started school, my sister and I. Fabian was, was still too young. We had a very... Hold on. Isn't that crazy that you've never experienced hurricanes before? And it's our first time as a family experiencing this because where my dad was from, my mom was from, they didn't even exist you just didn't get hit by those kind of storms. So it's like, how do you deal with something? And I think that the reason why I pause here is because that's going to be one of our major themes of our conversation, dude. There's so many things that we experienced growing up that we just never had that experience because it was a first. I mean, there's a lot to be said about that. There's a lot to unpack and we're going to, have to talk about it in another episode, but doing things for the first time is kind of scary, but after you do it once, you're like, Oh, I guess it really wasn't that bad. That was kind of like the theme of our family. And I mean, we'll get into it more as we hear more of how you're sharing our background and from your perspective. But this is the first time our family is experiencing a major tropical storm. And it's like, what do, what if, what happens? What are you supposed to do? Like, who knows? And I can't even imagine back then you didn't have the internet. So you can't just Google, hey, tropical storm tips, right? Like now it's so easy. But back then I was like, what do we do? And so to think that just looking at your surroundings and what other people are doing was almost validating and kind of guiding force, that's actually kind of scary because I know for a fact, sorry to any of my neighbors, but some of the neighbors that I've had growing up or even just recently are fools. And should I listen and do what they do? Probably not. And to think that that was what my parents had to use as a basis. I think there's just a lot to unpack there, but continue. And I'm, I'd be curious to hear what you think. I, I do agree. Now, uh, you, that is an excellent point to think about. 
that there was a certain a degree of trust there with that my parents had. And to be fair, I don't remember too well uh, our, our neighbors at the time, but I know that my mother did have a decent relationship with with the neighbor next door. And I think that that did help that bond. Well, maybe a bond might be a stretch, but regardless, there was some trust and that, that's obviously helped, I think, in that case. And moving on anyway, uh, yes, school, yes. Uh, now that, I almost forgot about it, but now that you mentioned about the first time and all this stuff, there was a very interesting bit of culture shock for uh, my parents and, and for us because uh, very interesting circumstances. We had visited Germany as, as a family a while back, and we had actually gotten special permission from the mayor of, of the small town that my mother was originally from, Westheim, which is in, located in Bavaria in the south, that we could go to the kindergarten there. And now kindergarten in Germany is, is very different from the kindergarten in the United States. Uh, almost more like a, a preschool daycare sort of thing, really, where children interact and then they grow and learn. So we had an enjoyable month-long experience, I think it was, if I recall correctly. It's just crazy to think that that experience, you going to school just for a brief period in a foreign country compared to like whatever it was, it was Germany, it wasn't where we were living, basically defined the rest of our lives, spoiler alert, but seriously, it's like, hey, you're going to live in a and go to school in a foreign place for a short period of time next. <laughs> it kind of set the tone. Yeah, actually, it did now that you mention it. And, and it also reminds me now that uh, I, did, I completely forgot to mention that just because of our home life, my birth language, one could say, my mother tongue, is technically German. Yeah, because we were home with our mother, so that's what we were speaking. And there was even a point, I remember the f a famous uh, story of how my, my father called us on the phone, and we answered to him uh, in German, and he was like, oh, no, I can't understand my kids. It sounds funny, but that does sound a bit concerning, if you really think about it. Obviously, growing up in the United States and exposed to people and media, we picked up the, the English language enough so that uh, German was, was completely forgotten. So by the time we make it to Germany, when we were attending kindergarten, we had to basically relearn the, the whole language. I remember that, that some, some of the kids said, hey, we've got some weird students there at the kindergarten. They speak Chinese. Oh, my goodness. Right? That's crazy to think that... I mean, obviously, they weren't ever used to that, especially at that time. People didn't really travel as much. So it was like, whoa, who are these people? What is this? Exactly. Yeah, this is uh, just for, for context. This is, uh, would have been the, the early 90s. Do you feel like you remember anything of that, like that kindergarten experience? Are there memories or is it just kind of like hearsay and videos and pictures? Uh, I would say I do remember some events, yes. I'm sure that some of the old video footage that our parents took probably has blended into my mind from that. But I do recall we had a memorable Christmas production because we were actually there during Christmas time. So I do recall we had, for example, this one bit. Although before that, there was this one German tradition of going out with your lantern and with the kids and, and singing a song. But afterwards during christmas time we actually did a, a sort of play a, a nativity play uh, basically and i recall that my sister and i were in the role of angels and we had a song to sing so we had to learn the, the song and there were also i remember the bit about uh, the roman soldiers as well and marching they also had their song number as well 
I remember I was at the time I was more partial to the, the soldier song, but the angel one was nice, of course. I think there's a lot to unpack there. <laughs> <laughs> there might be, there might be, yes. The, the, already at a young age, you could be onto something there, yes. The associations, the manly soldier and, and the more demure but respectable angel. Yeah, we, we could see that with the, these associations. That's a very good point you bring up. So you had this German production, you had this German kindergarten. Now you leave this kindergarten and you go to the United States to Florida and now you're doing kindergarten there. How was that? Was there like an adjustment period? Was there, there was it easy that you come in being like, well, I'm the foreign German kid. What's up guys? Or did you go in being like, how was it? So yes, coming in, we were in for a rude awakening. I'll be honest. Uh, so with my parents, or especially my mother coming in with the German kindergarten in mind, we came in vastly underprepared for what uh, they expected uh, children coming in to, to have. Just because our birthday is in December, we had to wait just how the education system works in the United States until next year once we had turned five to be enrolled. But coming in, we didn't really uh, have a mastery of the alphabet, of how to write or, or anything. I mean, we knew some things, but we really were clueless. So I'm sure that didn't uh, win us a lot of good graces from our, our kindergarten teachers, who quite honestly, we found to be rather cruel and condescending to us and to a lot of other children, admittedly. Which is a very unfortunate experience because uh, you're transitioning here to the school system. We never went through preschool, which might have made a difference. I understand for a lot of people, for a lot of children, it has and continues to do so. Well, let's pause here for a second. I think you are, you're hitting a, a topic that I am very passionate about that really brings a lot to light that I think so many people need to sit down and however it is that they self-reflect. This is something we'll talk about a lot more in every episode, but if it's journaling, if it's just taking alcohol or whatever it is for you to sit down and just listen to music and write down things and think about your past and what happened. But that's horrible to think about. You know, when you're a kid, you're so impressionable. Those are some of the most important normative years of your life. They influence you and affect you so much growing up. And even today still, I'm not a, a therapist, but I can tell you this for a fact. And to think that your first experience with the U.S. and kindergarten Really, because the German one wasn't really the truth of what it is. It, you're essentially, you're being judged and criticized as a kid. The, your first experience when the whole point of going is to learn. And, I mean, that already starts you off on a bad foot. And, again, there can be a lot to be said about it. Maybe it wasn't just you guys and maybe it was every student as well, but... To me, it sounds like those teachers were really bad, which sucks because I feel like teachers, again, this is just my three cents, are criminally underpaid. They should be paid way better, but they need to be filtered a lot better. The requirements to become a teacher should be like 20 times as difficult because they have such an impact on society and our kids. You would think that we would make sure to vet them. I just think of like doctors and how long the process is to vet them 
even the dumbest doctor is still pretty good. And the quality of teachers is not like the worst teachers are horrible and the best teachers are gods. And that shouldn't be that dramatic. But I just wanted to highlight that because I feel like that is something that is not really discussed. And it's a major cause of childhood trauma, which traumas and childhood issues are a big issue why so many of us have confidence and problems that we are not even aware of. But I just found that really interesting that your teachers treated you guys like that. I mean, I know I heard bits and pieces, but that's horrible to think that they expected you to know things when their whole job is to teach. It's like when you get hired at a job and they knew that they were going to have to train you, like it's a new product that you've never learned before. And then they're like, well, why don't you know this? I'm like, well, how could I? right so it's kind of like what came first the chicken or the egg what came first the student or kindergarten it's your first experience at school so that's just my take on that but i think there's a lot to to really analyze there alejandro it really is i know for a fact that just how i had to interact with, with my teacher then afterwards i remember uh, coming across her because we lived in Miami a few years and I certainly remember there was this lingering fear even meeting her some grade levels higher up that if I passed her by and, and being extremely uh, respectful and trying to be on, on my utmost best behavior. Let me say something to you that I, I know is not in your DNA but I think you need to start doing it. I'm a strong believer. I'm very passionate about letting the poison out. You got to get the poison out. You got to talk it out which is kind of what we're doing but if, if you're comfortable, I think you should do this. What was her name? And be like, hey, screw you. You know, like, that's not cool. And you could be your words. I would put them in a much more eloquent, not way. But I think you should do that because that's not cool. The fact that you were afraid of her and that you felt like you almost had to, like, adjust your behavior. That's something that, again, we'll talk about more. But the moment you start adjusting your behavior around a particular person that's when you're like wait a minute i'm telling you i am unapologetically myself now 99.9 percent .9 of the time with everyone and that's hard to get to but i know like there was a few people in the past that i'm like ooh, yeah no not with that person that's when you realize who the problem is and what you need to start cutting out but what was her name and What's your statement to her? <laughs> hey guys, thanks for tuning in to Real Talk. This concludes this part. We hope you enjoyed it as much as we love making it. Please leave a comment mentioning what parts resonated with you and made you self-reflect or view things differently. Please review or follow our podcast too. It helps us so much. As always, don't forget to follow us on all our social medias to get the full experience of hashtag becoming exceptional. Remember, stay amazing and tune in next week to hear what happens next on this session of Real Talk. Challenger out.